I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to episode 250 of the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, returning this week with a surprise overall majority. My name is Adam Bayford and I fought a brilliant campaign and I'll now hand you over to Tony Kerr, who I'm told has prepared his resignation speech. I don't know where to, to start with that. The polls were wrong. They didn't expect us to get 250. Yeah, 250. Still. Is there a kind of seats episode? That's where I was trying to get to, there. but I haven't arrived at it yet. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I've been thinking about it for the last two days, and I've still not managed <laughs> to come up with one. But uh, yeah, I mean, this all I've got in my notes here, Tony, is the word election. Discuss. Discuss. Dangerous territory, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. could, uh, could anger or offend quite a lot of people. You've just been ranting for the last 25 minutes before we actually started recording. Yeah, should get out of our system. Just bending my ears back about your red lines. No, I think ours has been a very successful coalition, hasn't it, over the last... There you go, there's another... We managed to hold it together, have, haven't we? Yeah. Over the last five years. It might have crumbled at a few points, but... Did you stay up for Ed Balls, Tom? Uh, I got up for Balls. Yeah, I think I made, I made it to about half two. That's not I think, bad. I, think I texted you, and you were in bed by, like, <laughs> half nine. So you've been watching the programme, mate. I literally go to bed at half nine now, as you know. Uh, so yeah, I was tucked up in bed before the programme. Yeah, I was tucked up in bed before the exit poll even came out. <laughs> so you didn't even know, you were just blissfully unaware <laughs> as you slept. No, I did. I earthquake. did. Earthquake. Political uh, earthquake. I checked Twitter before I went to, well, before I actually went to sleep. Uh, and yeah, so I, I saw the exit poll. But I just got up a little bit early and saw some of the last results come in. Saw set, I did see Ed Balls at whatever time that was, 8 o'clock. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty extraordinary day on friday wasn't it friday morning was like an england batting collapse <laughs> one after another yeah there's probably there's probably only two things that i'd stay up all night to watch and that's election night and cricket isn't it really <laughs> yeah and last kind of all day i did get the cereal in i but, thought you might <laughs> but as it turned out i was in bed at 9 30 wasn't called for but uh yeah well there we go that's it no, for I'm, just, I'm actually years. really distracted by this flight. there's a massive beast flying around the studio you probably noticed it. You yeah, probably, but a, if it flies into either microphone tonight, you will hear it. It's an insect of some description. It is really distracting. There's actually nothing more annoying, more distracting than an insect flying around. Yeah. You know, like if you've ever been in a hot country and you're asleep and there's a mosquito and you're lying there and you think, it's OK, I'll just ignore it. And then you just, every like 10 seconds you hear this. Mm, it's it's <laughs> impossibly annoying. Absolutely impossible to sleep, so you have That's to quite get a good up impression. and try and kill it. Kill it! You did briefly pick up a magazine and I thought about it. Waft it in the direction but, of this insect. Like you know, we could be, yeah. You've seen me bat before. You, know. <laughs> <laughs> you took a, a real. You skipped down the wicket like yeah, yeah. and tried to flamingo it. it to death. Uh, and, uh, it's still there. It's still going. That's the thing. It does, it's not. It's not the noise it kind of makes when it flies. It's as annoying as the noise it makes when it crashes into stuff. 
Like, I understand why flies fly into glass, because it might yeah, it's a bit confusing for them. But I don't know why they fly into the ceiling or walls. Well, I think they just can't really... They've got a very different kind of vision, haven't they? When I was a kid, someone told it's me really that annoying. they experience time differently as well. A second for us is like 100 years for a fly. And a, that's a metaphor for our listeners as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, on that note, what's coming up on the show today? Peter Moores is gone, Tone. You know Peter Moores? Moores, Moores, Moores. Moores, Moores, Moores is no Moores. Uh, he is gone. So we'll be talking about that decision and the circumstances in which it arose. Uh, and there's also been a test match in Barbados since we last spoke to each other, uh, which West Indies won and won pretty handsomely. England were obliterated, a bit like the Liberal Democrats, Tone, am I right? Hey. Satire. Uh, yeah, very comprehensive in that match, wasn't it? West Indies romped to victory, a bit like the SNP, Tone, am I right? Satire. Needless to say, as well, justifying my uh, pre-series prediction as well. One all. That's true, actually, yeah. yeah. That, that got a bit lost in all the election news, didn't I it? I feel like that, yeah, I feel like there should have been greater reflection of, of that <laughs> prediction. Uh, well, I don't get many wrong. Well, what also got lost is the fact that it is the 250th episode of the World Cricket Show this Amazing. week. We're still going, Tone, we're literally still going. When do we stop? because <laughs> <laughs> we, we used to do it in a kind of batches didn't we we'd have a little series and then yeah. uh we'd there'd be a kind of a, a break a break but yeah i guess just in indefinitely just kind of rolls on just forever keep going. yeah so, just, i think this is we did like yeah as you say at the beginning we did series and i think we got up to series six and then we just forgot that idea and, yeah. and started doing it didn't it really make any sense so this is technically it? series seven and i think series, yeah. <laughs> series seven has been running for the last four and a half years i don't know why we thought series were a good idea Another thing that's happened this week, Tony, is Liberation Day here in Guernsey. Liberation 70, celebrating 70 years of, of freedom. And yeah, you were, you were down amongst the celebrations yesterday, oh, yeah. weren't you? you yeah. were, uh... But what's quite a big day, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah, if you don't know, the Chalines were occupied by the Germans uh, during the Second World War. Part, the only part of the British Isles to be occupied. So yeah, 70 years. And it, it's, actually, it does amaze me. Still, there's so many people around with you know who've got their own memories of it, you know, who were evacuated or stayed here or were deported, which is quite amazing. Well, you were out patrolling the streets, weren't you? Because you, yeah. uh, as listeners know, you work for the radio station here, so you were out there... Surprisingly. ...trying to get some vox pops, trying to get some live reaction I, I was from looking people. for you, but you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, my brother did see you. My brother is over this weekend and he, he spotted you. Uh, he said he saw you trying to sidle up to the Countess of Wessex at one point. Uh, but that also because that's that's what Prince Edward's wife Sophie she was here as the the Queen's representative. But he said that you had that classic look. It was exactly how I would be. Clearly, you had been told that you should try and get an interview with her. But at the same time, you thought I don't really want to see if I can try and talk no, to her. No, there was no prospect of getting an interview. No, he said you were told. kind of hovering around her. Well, that's, what, that's what I had to do. But then that's thinking, all I could do. What you were specifically told: hover around, <laughs> hover around Wessex. Uh, no, we, could, we couldn't do interviews with her. Uh, it was just I had to. It was quite difficult actually, and not something I want to do again. Really, I, the, the yeah, the Royal Reporter gig is not <laughs> not one for me, because there was basically yeah, like a you know a walkway for her to pass through as she went to. And unveil this stone, and I'll tell you more, more about that in a second. Okay, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's all good banter. Uh, and obviously, there's like crowds on both sides, but everyone was silent, and I was stood in the middle of it. The, my job being to describe what was what she was doing, <laughs> and I'd written and scribbled down while I was waiting 
a, you know, a couple of paragraphs or a, couple, a few sentences just to start it off, which is great because I can just read that out and it made sense. Uh, but then I was unbelievably self-conscious just standing in amongst silent people trying to commentate on something I have no idea about. <laughs> Horrible. Did you have to say what she was wearing? Uh, I suggested that her dress clashed with the velvet cover that she had, from which the stone appeared. So you weren't just describing what she was wearing, you were laying into I was, it. I was making accusations about, yeah. Here's the Countess of Wessex, she looks a mess. <laughs> but it was, it was also very difficult because she was unveiling a commemorative stone, kind of commemorative boulder. Oh, you said you were going to tell me about this. Yeah, this, this, that's this, just a flag that up earlier. <laughs> uh, on uh, Guernsey's only roundabout. Yes. It's not the most glamorous location. I mean, it is like it's the focal point of traffic in St. <laughs> Peterport, Guernsey's capital. Well, we call it the roundabout, <laughs> yeah. which just kind of says it all, doesn't it? Really, you know, the, the people exactly know what you mean. Yeah. But also, when you're kind of when I was trying to describe the scene and describe the kind of crowds and all that, uh, there aren't many kind of reference points location-wise in the surrounding area of the roundabout, which sound any more glamorous, idyllic, kind of nice. It's like the taxi rank, is it? There's like you know, <laughs> she, she passes the taxi rank. <laughs> And then over towards the uh, the car park toilets. <laughs> <laughs> She's paused briefly outside the rib shack. Yeah, exactly. And now is making her way to the roundabout. Yeah. So well, it wasn't the most it wasn't the most glamorous walk and walk and talk that she would have done. Meet and greet. Yeah. It sounds like Nicholas Witchell hasn't got too much to worry no, about. He's safe. <laughs> he's very safe. England. On this part of the show, we talk about everything that's happening in the world of England. And there have been some big developments over the last couple of days, Tone. Peter Moores is no Moores. Less is Moores. Did we make these jokes the first time? Absolutely yeah. we did, yeah. And yeah. we're going to make them again. Can we just play that segment again? <laughs> Moores the pity. Something like that. Andrew Strauss has just taken over as the, whatever they call it, team performance director. Uh, director of football at the ECB. And immediately he's made a big decision, which is to remove Peter Moores as coach. Now, what did you make of this news tone? Both the decision to sack him, but also the circumstances in which the news emerged. Because, uh, yeah, all journalists seem to get hold of this story. Not only before Moores was told, but while he was overseeing England's ODI against Ireland, uh, which I imagine probably made him feel pretty foolish. I feel a bit sorry. Well, definitely feel a bit sorry for him. There's absolutely no way is it to treat anyone it's been pretty bad for England cricket isn't it really administrationally and other things as well playing wise for a while but yeah it's surprising that it's still they're still making cock-ups like this was the leaking isn't it there's been yeah. so much leaking from the ECB and it's still happening I mean it's the right decision I think to to let him go it's you know however qualified he might be and you know he has been successful hasn't he in the county game clearly we learned the first time he was England coach that you know he didn't he wasn't able to to do too much and he hasn't been able to do too much in his second stint. Now, I guess he's also been a bit unlucky, hasn't he, with, well, unlucky where he's been in a position slightly less blessed than other kind of coaches in terms of the talent on show and, and the, the, the circumstances. So he's, he's been a touch unlucky, I think. But Well, yeah, both times he's had the job, he's come in off the back of a 5-0 Ashes whitewash and has to start to oversee the rebuilding phase. But both times... He hasn't demonstrated anything in the period that he's been given to suggest that the rebuilding is really working. I mean, to be fair to him, he has done some good things, certainly in that first spell in charge, which at the time I you know, really wanted him gone during that spell. But he, he did identify talent. That is one thing that he's good at, is identifying talent. I mean, a lot of players 
came through in that spell like Swan, Pryor, um, Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson were sort of around before. I mean, Jimmy Anderson was around for a long time before, but they got given their their big opportunity under Moors. And you know, so the the Strauss Flower World Number One side actually the foundations were laid under Moors. But had Moors still been in charge, I don't think they would have developed into the number one side because he just I, I just don't think he is a top level coach. Really. He's quite an uninspiring figure. Yeah, he doesn't he's, exude he, he's, much kind of inspiration. He's not prime minister material, basically, is he? Um, he, yeah, he's like kind of cricketing Ed Miliband, isn't he? Basically, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter how kind of smart or kind of savvy he is. Yeah, he's just not doesn't look the part. There's that fit. bit in bit in the office where uh, Gareth's talking about David Brent's leadership style and talking about re- relating it to the army. Come with me, lads. I'll tell you a joke. No, it's a direct order. Come with me. The same with Peter Moore, isn't it? You don't want him to say, "Let's analyze the data and then decide whether you come with me." No, you say, "Come with me." And they all say, yes, let's go with him to our certain death. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't speak with much conviction, does he? I've not seen him give an interview really where I've thought, yes, good. Not like Andy Flower. You know, Andy Flower had his, had his failings as well, didn't he, towards, towards the end. But there was a long period of Andy Flower's stewardship where, yeah, he was just so convincing and so, I don't know what the right word is, but he, he just had, he had something that... Gravitas. Yeah, he? Yeah, he had, yeah, he had kind of authority and, and yeah, he was going somewhere. Well, yeah, Peter Moore clearly doesn't have that. Well, it's strange because, in a way, in isolation, you could say that Flower is quite an uninspiring figure as well. It does sort of depend on, you know, it might be that because England were winning, Flower looked like he had a lot of authority because as soon as they stopped winning, people, he seemed to lose the plot or people kind of lost faith in him. But talking about Moores, I mean, he, he is just a, a walking personality vacuum, basically, isn't it? And the, the look at the data line does kind of sum up his reign. And the frustrating thing for me is that it's basically been a wasted year for England. You know, they've had this disastrous World Cup. They're not really any closer to reconquering Test cricket. Yes, in some respects, they seem to be going in the right direction and things have improved. But at the same time, do we give them a hope of winning the Ashes? Do we give them much of a hope of winning a Test in the Ashes? The feeling now at the ECB seems to be, well... Moores is a good man and a great coach at county level, but just not quite cut out at international level. But what's frustrating for me is that I could have told them that a year ago because he'd already had a crack at it and this had been the conclusion. So it is just very disappointing that they've, you know, they've just wasted this time. This almost an entire Ashes cycle has been wasted when they could have gone to someone else in the first place. Yeah, I think we were pretty disappointed, weren't we, when he came back in. Uh, and it, uh, Clearly hindsight is you know, makes life easier, but... What, yeah, what I mean, I suppose there's a slight vacuum, isn't there, in kind of coaching circles? Yeah, the candidates perhaps weren't there, and he was the best, the best of a of the bunch. So, uh, well, there were other candidates, and yeah, they they weren't sort of choosing from a a world class pool, but there were about four, weren't there, at the time? There was Mick Newell and Graham Ford, and you know, I'd have gone for either of those ahead of ahead of Moores uh, but you're right it, it is a problem it, it's all very well to get rid of Moores but you've got to find someone to replace him and it won't be that easy because of this thing that the best coaches in the world are at the IPL and earning much more money than they would for England for just a few weeks work and it would be quite difficult to persuade Stephen Fleming or Gary Kirsten or someone like that to come and take over because what's in it for them yeah really? particularly at this moment I mean there's no and there's no hurry for them I mean, they could you know they could probably do that and for a few more years, but, yeah, maybe they'll want a challenge, a, a different challenge at some point. But 
Well, it's an interesting thing, really, it's because now, isn't it? the, when the IPL came along, everyone thought that it would really shake things up in, term, in terms of the playing circles, in terms of the actual players. And that has been the case to a large extent. But no one really thought about it affecting coaches in the same way. But more so, it is keeping the best coaches from taking um, international jobs. Really, I mean, why would you want to traipse around the world with England for 12 months out of the year uh, when you could just take six weeks in the IPL and earn twice as much money? It's a no-brainer, really, isn't it? I don't know who will take over now. I mean, people are talking about Jason Gillespie. Nigel Farage is looking for a job as well, so wouldn't necessarily want to rule him out of the running. Or Nick Clegg. He also resigned, didn't he? Did you see that? Yeah. Miller band. They all went. I mean, Moores has got a touch with the Cleggs about him as well. But yeah, Gillespie's being talked about. I think he'd probably be a more inspiring choice, if only because he does have the sort of international track record as a player to back up the things that he says. But he also does just seem like a more authoritative, like we say, he has that yeah. gravity. And he's Australian as well. He's so, Australian yeah. as well, yeah. So that helps. But yeah, I think Gillespie does seem to have, you know, when you, when you hear him talk, you know, when he's been kind of brought on as a pundit or when he's when he's spoken about things you know he, he does have a sort of he's got energy hasn't he? he's got charisma and he's seen you know and he knows his stuff as you say he's got he's got all the experience you need uh and he seems to have some new ideas as well you know he's, he's got the coaching ideas as well so yeah I, I'd, I'd be happy to see him he's having success with yeah. yorkshire as well and it could be that actually this is quite a good time to take over as england coach because they're more or less at rock bottom certainly in limited overs cricket the new coach won't be under as much pressure, even if they do have a dreadful summer, which they almost certainly will. Depends what Graves says, I suppose. <laughs> well, that's true. He says, yeah. He's a beat a mediocre Australia too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it could be that actually the, the building blocks have been put in place by Peter Moores. I mean, as I say, in his first stint, he identified people like Swan and Pryor. Um, it could be that this time he has identified some great players of the future again. I mean, Mo and Ali, perhaps, Ben Stokes, Gary Balance. I mean, these players were around. It's not like Peter Moores was the first person to to notice them, but they actually were, were given their break under Moores. Uh, and it could be that that they do go on to have similar sort of careers to, mm. to those others that we talked about. So maybe Moores needs to stay involved, but just to, as a selector, that might be a, a better role for him. Maybe he'll come back again at some point. <laughs> what? You wouldn't necessarily rule it out, would you? Like I say, it's Andrew Strauss who's made the decision in his first day in the job. And it's quite interesting because, you know, a lot of people were negative about his appointment, worrying that he would be too cautious, that he wouldn't be prepared to take uh, big and bold decisions. But immediately he's shown himself to be pretty cutthroat. Are you happy with his appointment? Uh, yeah, I guess I, I think so. I mean, I, you know, there's a bit of uncertainty about exactly what he's going to do. I don't know, you know, what, what's he actually going to be responsible for? Well, we still aren't 100% clear yeah, on that, are so, we? Yeah, I, I don't know what I don't I don't exactly what what he wants to achieve in that role. I, I, I didn't necessarily kind of take the the, the criticism of of Strauss of you know the idea of Strauss as this you know some people what they call him like the sort of headmaster kind of figure you know I think Warren was quite derogatory wasn't he? But you know again Strauss seems intelligent you know obviously got a very great great career behind him, pretty well placed. Always liked him as a. As a captain. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a tremendously popular captain uh, and a tremendously successful. Uh, so he will have a lot of authority. I suppose the concern with Strauss is that maybe this is five years too early for him in the sense that he's still close to all of the team. He played with people in that team, particularly the captain. 
you know, if if it's ultimately his decision whether to sack or keep Alistair Cook as captain, um, or at least whether he would be influencing that decision. He's great mates with Cook. He was a long-standing opening partner of Alistair Cook, and you'd wonder whether he'd be prepared to make that sort of decision. But I, I think he's yeah. a really good man to be in that role. He clearly knows a lot about English cricket. He cares a lot about English cricket. And like you say, he's an intelligent, decent man. Uh, it's just whether it's slightly too early for him would be my... I, I take that point, but equally, I think, you know, in cricket, you know, there's not really many places to hide. Are there? You know, I can't really foresee a situation where... Yeah, for for Cook, he's just about saved himself, hasn't he? You know, as a lot of batsmen do with with innings at the right time, as Strauss has done in the past when he when he was playing. When bad form goes on and on and on, you know, players' position will more or less becomes untenable, and you know, everyone, you know, it's it's pretty much public knowledge, you know, that they they need to go. So yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we're going to see Cook, you know, kept on as captain. And well, not necessarily. I mean, because. Cook was kept on as captain in the one-day team for far too long because people within the ECB had thrown their lot in with Cook and decided that he has to be captain. And it was only when it was so untenable that it would have been ridiculous for him to continue that they got rid of him. But actually, but he should have gone six, nine months earlier. Yeah. And again... But maybe that was just a gamble that, that you know, they, they persisted too long with rather well, than just being, you know, rather than not wanting to hurt Alistair's feelings. Well, possibly. No, I'm not saying it was about hurting Alistair's feelings, which... Is maybe more what you'd think about with Strauss. But the situation with Paul Downton was that, you know, having sacked KP, you know, staked everything on Cook, it, it was politically very difficult for him to go back on that. So, again, you don't really want any interference like that with the decision. But then, as you say, we don't even really know what the, what the role is and how much influence Strauss will have, how much he will be responsible for those sorts of decisions. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not unhappy with his appointment. I'm certainly much happier having Strauss there than having Paul Downton. So, you know, it's got to be an improvement. And if Gillespie does come in as well, things do seem to be looking up. This, despite England losing in Barbados to draw the series against the West Indies, which is a, a very disappointing end after being one 0 up in Grenada. So yeah, really disappointing for England, but a, an amazing result for the West Indies. I mean, to bounce back after what must have been quite a demoralising defeat in the second test was tremendously impressive. This is a little while ago now, this game. So I'll just refresh your memory. England won the toss, went into bat, but had a pretty poor first day. They were 240 for seven at the end of day one, losing Alistair Cook to the last ball of the day. But he did return to form in some style. His first century for two years, 105, he made. They were eventually all out for 257 on day two. Uh, West Indies could only manage 189 in their first innings, although they did recover well from 107 for six. Jimmy Anderson taking six for 42. Uh, So England had a a reasonably big lead uh, and they would have been thinking about a a second victory, uh, but they were skittled in their second innings. They were 39 for five at the end of day two uh, with Jerome Taylor running through the tourists uh, and eventually were all out for 123 to set West Indies just 192 to win. Uh, and they got there with five wickets remaining. They were 80 for four, and it looked a long way off. Uh, but Darren Bravo and Jermaine Blackwood guided the home side to the target, and they got there with five wickets remaining, which was, as I say, an amazing win. I mean, before the game, I think we were both pretty confident, very confident, that there was just no way back for Westernies. I believe I said something on last week's show to the effect of <laughs> there's not a chance in hell that Westernies are going to take 20 wickets. 
Uh, but not only did they take 20 wickets, did a they, ash down. they took them inside three days. Yeah, is that why you brought... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A hat. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just blowing England away in that second innings to set up a victory. I mean, this really was a, an, an extraordinary turnaround. Yeah, I mean, the, the Grenada test, the way that played out and the... The way England ran through it at the end was, yeah, you you kind of felt like it was England clicking into gear a bit, you know, in a, in a Test series they, you know, they should have won. So yeah, a bit of a surprise really for for them to to let it drop away. And it, yeah, I mean, as you say, they had a decent lead going into the second innings. It was just they just fell apart. You know, it's cost Jonathan Trott, you know, his England career again. You know, he's he's gone now and that top order just didn't didn't fire at all which is a surprise really because uh you know balance and, and root have been pretty good you've expected uh, them to at least give themselves a pretty good chance of winning this test well as we talked about last week you know the, the batting seemed to be in a pretty uh, pretty decent place and then it just completely fell apart in this game i mean yes it, it wasn't the easiest pitch to bat on necessarily but it also wasn't as bad as perhaps it was made to look and I think, to be fair, you have to give quite a bit of credit to West Indies, particularly Jerome Taylor, mm. who came back having missed the second test through injury and bowled up see superbly. I mean, he is the best fast bowler in the Caribbean by some distance. And he's missed, he's lost quite a few years um, of his career through injury, through one injury or another. When he blew England away in that 51 all out in 2009, you thought, you know, he's, here's a, a proper fast bowler who's going to be sort of putting in world-class performances for the next five six years and six years on he's only played a handful of tests because of injury but it's really good to see him back and sort of spearheading the West Indies attack at this point and he was backed up well too I mean Jason Holder I thought was was terrific in this game there's been a lot of talk about Colin Graves's comments and the fact he called them mediocre before the series and Alistair Cook came out and said that that was really unhelpful to what extent do you buy that I mean do you think it did pump them up no I don't I don't think so I mean well, I mean, retrospectively, it's, it looks a very foolish thing to say. It's not the sort of thing you'd expect to hear, is it, from someone in that position? You know, it, it showed a little bit of disrespect, definitely. But I, it's a bit an ex, uh, yeah, it'd be an excuse for Cook to use that as a uh, 
as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. I mean, I, undoubtedly, I think it, it would have been something that West Indies talked about and they would have gone out onto the field perhaps with that at the, the back of their mind to some extent. But it's not enough, is it? I mean, if you know, if England were going to play a test match against Bangladesh, say, or Zimbabwe, and Colin Gray's called them not a good team, it might pump them up, but it wouldn't necessarily be enough. I mean, it, you, you've got to actually ha- be able to execute the victory. You've got to be good enough. So I doubt Cook was worrying about it too much when they drew in Antigua and then won in Grenada. So, yeah, you're right. I think that excuse is a bit of an excuse. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, re- really impressive performance from the West Indies and an encouraging performance from them as well, um, given their struggles over the last, well, 20 years, yeah. <laughs> but particularly over the last couple of years and, um, you know, missing players in the IPL and everything like that. It's a really big achievement. Before this game, Ed Smith wrote an article in The New Statesman. He's a columnist at The New Statesman, as you might be aware, just lamenting the decline of, of West Indies cricket the fans aren't really coming in anymore and they've got other things that they're uh, interested in and the white elephants of the stadiums that were built for the World Cup. Yeah, and this is something that we've talked about quite a bit as well. Yeah, clearly there are major concerns about the future of cricket in the Caribbean, more so than ever now. So a one-all draw isn't necessarily going to be the sort of uh, catalyst. It's not going to be a a game-changer. We thought when they beat England in 2009 that that might be a game-changer and it wasn't. But it must help a little bit. I, I think, you know, the, the fans, it was good to see that there were fans coming in in Barbados, a lot of England fans as well, but there were fans in Barbados. There have been fans coming in throughout the series and you know, maybe it will just kickstart a little bit of interest again. It's got to help, uh, you know, people, spectators of all sports like winning teams that, you know, or teams that are at least giving it a good go. I suppose West Indies cricket, as much as anything, it's been kind of damaged by the sort of the sort of indifference to it at some sense of some of the some players and and the, the nonsense off the field, the kind of the disagreements. So it'd be good to see them just you know, having, a, having a kind of period of a bit of stability and a bit of uh, consistency. Yeah, and you know, given how much money they apparently owe to the Indian cricket board as well, there have to be major, major concerns going forward. So maybe this is just sort of papering over the cracks. But I have come away feeling a bit more encouraged, if only because there are some exciting players coming through, and you know, some of the players. Um, that performed in this series, Jason Holder, Jermaine Blackwood, I thought was was fantastic. You know, there's there's quite a few players in that team now that you know actually they do look test class, which is not something that you could have necessarily said about the West Indies team over the last few years. So yeah, a really good performance by the West Indies, but England will be massively disappointed. I mean, I, I was struggling to see how they could fail to win the series after they went one 0 up in Grenada. So what went wrong for them? I mean, they were, they were controlling that game after the first innings. They ended up getting bowled out for 120. I mean, it's, it, was, it was a bit of a disaster. Yeah, pretty poor. And I think you know, we mentioned it in the build-up, but you know, it's not going to get any easier for England, is it, in the rest of the year? So it's slightly concerning that they've not been able to do the job here. Uh, I mean, there were, there were some positives in the, in the series, for sure. And, yeah, the negatives, you know, the, the, the risk of bringing Trot back in didn't pay off so... There's, there's a lot of decisions to be made, aren't there, before the start of the New Zealand series? Trot's departure was sad. Uh, and, you know, I, I really wanted him to succeed. Uh, and it's a real shame that he didn't. I'm pleased that he was, he was able to come back and at least give it a go. He might at least be able to lay his mind to rest now, knowing that he knows that it, it's over. Whereas before, I think he, if he hadn't had this opportunity, uh, he would always have, have had some regrets. 
Um, but it, it was it was sad that he just wasn't able to to do anything in this series. What did he get? Three ducks in this series, yeah. Um, but and yeah, having sung the praises of the batting, you know, well, the other batsmen on the previous show, you know, it, it did look worryingly fragile in Barbados when you consider that, well, first Bolton Southey and then Harris Stark and Johnson are coming over the hill pretty quickly. You know, the, the alarm bells are clanging pretty deafeningly in my house at the moment. But, you know, I wouldn't necessarily panic on the basis of this one result. You could argue that England have panicked because they've sacked Peter Moores. Um, but that was coming for a lot longer. You know, like you say, there were some positive things that happened in this series. There's still a lot of reasons to be cheerful. Joe Root, Gary Balance, Joss Butler. You know, the, the team does need to be changed around. The batting order needs to change, doesn't it? I mean, Butler at eight is, is a waste. But, you know, broad, bold, better in Barbados. And Alistair Cook finally produced that 100. Uh, and you've got to say it was a brilliant 100 as well in the context of what was a, a, a extremely low-scoring match. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's a shame to see him <laughs> go when he did. I mean, you think maybe England might have been able to get put a few more on the board uh, first up had he survived that last ball. But, you know, I, I, if Cook hadn't made that 100, where, where would that have left him, do you think? Well, he's looked better, hasn't he? he? He looks like he knows how to bat again, which is the big thing. And he has been scoring 50. So I don't think his position would have been in jeopardy had he not made that 100. But it does keep the wolf from the door for a while. It also doesn't mean that everything's all right again. Because actually, this is true of a few England players, the senior players, that England's problem is that those senior players aren't producing consistently anymore. They're still doing it occasionally. I mean, Ian Bell scored, what, 143 in the first innings of the series, and then he scored about 10 more runs in the rest of the series. Broad is the same, he sort of fades in and out. And even Jimmy Anderson, you know, he, he produces these sort of extraordinary match-changing spells, but he does also have more quiet spells than he perhaps used to have. So, yeah, there are some fairly large issues facing the England team at the moment. Perhaps not, you know, Lib Dem-esque, uh, but worrying nonetheless. And the most obvious, I suppose, is in the spin department, isn't it? I mean, Mo and Ali just did not look like a frontline spinner in this game. And you'll remember, Tone, that even when he was ripping through India last summer and everyone was going bananas about him, I was still being a little bit cautious. Uh, and you'd have to say that in this series, he's been pretty woeful with the ball, just consistently bowling far too short. I mean, a couple of times in this game, he bowled spells of sort of three overs for 30. And yeah, in what was a very low-scoring contest that actually probably did make the difference between winning and losing. He'll well better than he did in Barbados because he's only just coming back to fitness. But I, I think there's still got to be doubts about him because, you know, he, to me, he just looks like, he looks like a useful support bowler, but not necessarily a frontline spinner. A lot of those wickets he got against India were either because India were a bit taken aback by how well he bowled or because actually a lot of the batsmen got out going after him, which does happen. And, you know, Graham Swan got a lot of wickets like that. But I just don't know. I mean, I think I've made this comparison before, but I see him as a sort of equivalent of someone like Shane Watson, who is not a part-time bowler, as he's definitely an all-rounder, but you wouldn't want Watson opening the bowling. It, you know, he's not a, an out-and-out fast bowler either. It's a little bit like that. In some circumstances, Mo and Ali is all you need as a spin bowler. But, you know, when England are going to the UAE later in the summer or when they're, they've got some test matches against Australia on... You know, the oval perhaps or on, on drier surfaces in England and the spotlight's on him to actually win the match. I don't know that he's he's gonna be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not a weapon, is he? He's not 
he's not going to scare anyone, or he's not going to scare too many people. So, yeah, I agree. You know, it, it, it's a stopgap at the moment, but England need to find something. We need to find a way to weaponize the spin department. We do. Don't we? I suppose the problem is who would you replace him with? This is the issue, isn't it? I mean, everyone was lobbying for Rashid to come in, and I wanted to see Rashid given a go, but it could be a classic case that someone gets much, much better when they're not playing. Scott Borthwick came in and was given a test and everyone was really excited about it. And Graham Swan said, you know, I think Borthwick will be the spinner for the next 15 years and just got clattered to all parts because actually that can happen with leg spinners. And so perhaps Ali is the best there is. But if that's the case, then I think England have, have got a problem. But yeah, so England's winter comes to an end. And it's been a bit of a calamity really all around, hasn't it? After the ODI series loss in Sri Lanka, World Cup catastrophe, uh, and then this drawn series. You know, I suppose we can it's just... pretty low-key, isn't it, all right? I mean, it's not been a lot of fun. <laughs> uh... Well, it's good because we've got a lot of fun to look forward to yeah. in the summer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Think... summer will be fun in one, yeah, one way or the other. I will hold you to that. I will remind you that you said that Yeah. Uh, come mid-August when it's 7-0 on aggregate. It will be lively. Yeah, should, do you want to mention Guernsey? Yeah. yeah. I don't know your... You, know, you only deal with the top level, don't you? The test cricket. You don't really care about the associates, but I've been championing their, you know, their corner uh, for a while. But yeah, Guernsey. Do you know about Guernsey? I've heard of Guernsey. Yeah. Uh, it's currently the ICC Europe Division One tournament, which is over in Jersey at the moment. Guernsey are there along with uh, Den. Well, Jersey, obviously, Denmark, uh, Italy, France, and Norway. Started on Friday, oh, on Saturday rather, on Liberation Day. Oh, get the facts right, Kerr. Yeah. You do this item on your own. What day is it though? Uh, it's Sunday, Sunday today. Sunday today. So, yeah, it was yesterday, in fact. Do you want me to sing the Rebecca Black song again? <laughs> uh, Sunday comes afterwards. Started uh, yesterday, yesterday, Liberation Day. Yesterday was Thursday, Thursday. Do you still have that today on your... Today it's Friday. On your starred Spotify. List. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, the only song absolutely. on Absolutely. Uh, but really good start for Guernsey. They beat Denmark, who they lost to a couple of years ago in the semi-final of the same tournament. Which is a great win. They were, you know, were clearly one of the, the fancied sides in the tournament. So, fantastic result. And then they went and beat Norway as well. So, well done to them. Well done, Guernsey. Giving the Scandinavians a right old pace. Yeah, all over them. Uh, and then they so they played Jersey on Wednesday, which this rate could be a decider. But I suppose tomorrow on the Monday of the tournament they've got Italy uh, and France. I suppose Italy as well, pretty good side. So it'd be interesting if they can get if they can get. Couple of wins there. Wednesday will be massive. We had Guernsey captain Jamie Nisbet on the show at one point, didn't we? Yeah, we'll have to get uh, one again next week during the previous edition of the tournament. So yeah, see if we can dial him up for the next week's show. Definitely. Yeah, well that'll be good. I mean, World Cricket Show listeners have been getting well into it. So we've, we've been tweeted at by more than one listener saying that they're following what's happening in, in that tournament. Uh, Bob Ino, I know Bob Ino, the Bob I know. <laughs> says, uh, well, he actually tweeted at the Guernsey Cricket Board to say, being Aussie, I never had much interest in associate cricket. After listening to at Tony Cavea, put you first. After listening to at Tony Cavea yeah. and at Cricket Show, got so it put right. you before the podcast. Got it, got it right. Yeah. He says, after listening to Tony and World Cricket Show, I'm Team Guernsey. That's really good to know. That's, uh, that's awesome. Welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah, good time to get on board as well. And Cam Allen has written in on our Facebook page uh, to say, thought you gents would be interested in this. Guernsey hitting the headlines in Australia. Yeah, there's a, an article on an Australian website about Guernsey and Jersey's victories in the tournament so far. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's, 
it will be interesting because yeah, if they win or well, the winner of this tournament goes through to the World 2020 qualifier in Scotland and Ireland where they'll meet Scotland and Ireland and uh, and the rest of the kind of top associates or the associates that have qualified from the regional tournaments as well so yeah, yeah I mean that would be awesome that would be a trip up for us for sure well you could Some actually July. go can you That's yeah I'd, wa- I'd definitely wangle that <laughs> with yeah. your job <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that would be that would be so so cool. And they, they've done they've done really well because Guernsey side of a few years ago, yeah, had some some big names in local cricket, and the, quite a few of them moved on at the same time. They reached the same kind of you know reached the, the golden age uh, together. And so yeah, they've had to bring in quite a few youngsters, but they've yeah worked worked hard. It's paying off. If they qualify for that, we should definitely go. You yeah. could go as you know your actual job. But do you reckon I could get a press pass definitely for, for the podcast, and then I could. Stick it all on your expense account as well. Hotel room, <laughs> breakfasts. Be great. No, you should definitely come up. Yeah. Come on, Guernsey. You've got to get there. <laughs> come on, Guernsey. Come on, Guernsey. We laugh about this, don't we, Tane, at the uh, Guernsey FC games? Because Guernsey FC, when they first came into being, were much too good, really, for the division they were in. So they were winning games like 7 0, 8 0, 11 0. Uh, but then because the fans just kind of got used to that. It reached a point where if Guernsey hadn't scored a goal <laughs> oh, yeah. within the first like two and a half minutes, you just hear echoing around the stands. It's like, "Come on, Guernsey!" It's <laughs> yeah. like one misplaced pass. Yeah, exactly. Come on, Guernsey! Is this the absolute kind of yeah? Just the the frustration <laughs> in the voice. The kind of what else? It's like as if they've been watching kind of QPR for, <laughs> for for thirty-five games. It would also be when yeah, when Guernsey are like four 0 up. But they haven't scored for ten minutes, and you know a cross comes in and it's headed away by the defender. Come on, Guernsey! <laughs> Much like the general election campaign, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been a painful, exhausting, drawn-out affair that's resulted in the end of more than one high-profile person's <laughs> career. But it has to end, Tone. It has to end. Will you miss the general election now it's over? Uh, it's a, yeah. Uh, it's cool, isn't it? It's fun. It's quite nice that it's all condensed into you know one kind of five, was it five week <laughs> one, 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 five one week. short <laughs> six week period. Yeah, yeah. That's relatively short, isn't it, comparison to yeah you know, the US well, or, yeah. uh, or other things. The IP is shorter than the IPL. <laughs> it's slightly shorter yeah. than the Cricket World Cup. Yeah, the entire democracy uh, of a, a nation can be settled faster than the IPL. But yeah, there's a lot of not there's a lot of nonsense, isn't there? During the campaign, well, it wasn't the actual campaign. wasn't that exciting, was it? In, in many ways, it wasn't, there wasn't any kind of shocking moments. But the but the night was good, so it delivered in the end. The drama was safe for the last minute. Well, I wouldn't know. I was fast you asleep. You were oblivious to what was happening. Uh, I felt a bit nervous coming to the studio tonight because I'm no longer podcasting with Tony Kerr, my idiot friend. I'm podcasting with Tony Kerr, celebrity and fashion icon. Uh, I think on last week's show we mentioned that you were going to be hosting the Guernsey FC end of season awards. Do how did it go, Tom? I saw I saw a picture of you in your tux. Yeah. You tweeted it, didn't you? How did it go? It went well. It was all right. Yeah, I've been asked back next year, so oh wow, it's a good sign already. Straight away. Straight, I mean, get you know, if you need me to compare anything, get it in the diary now because <laughs> that diary's filling up rapidly. But you know, it's always a bit dangerous, though, isn't it? Going back for a second time, shouldn't you leave on a high? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe a couple of years I'll do this and then the Oscars after that, I think, <laughs> up next. Yeah. Well, I was a bit worried for you because... <laughs> you were right to be. <laughs> because, because I had quite a busy week, so I didn't really have a chance to write any gags for you, but uh, but it went okay. Well, I busted that. out a couple of gags. It's just more off-the-cuff stuff, really. I didn't need... I just left it to 
See what my brain came up with at the time. But yeah, well, I, I heard it went well, Tony. Yeah, yeah I heard good. from a few people good. that it went well. Doing things live is, is, is much, it just works better, I think. Pre, I know we've been pre-recording this podcast for five years, <laughs> but you get you get better. Yeah, you get better stuff out of me when it's live. I think uh, James Corden's a bit worried. <laughs> right to me, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Kerr coming over his shoulder. Looking forward to my next gig. Looking forward to being able to leave this behind. <laughs> but when we do World Create Show live, yeah, you'll have to host it. So that's true. I'll just be sniping at you from the back, <laughs> from, the, from the sidelines. You'd better not leave me behind, mate. Remember, don't forget, it's me who put you where you are yeah. now. I mean, I should be hosting this I can this put you back down too. It would make much more sense if I hosted this and fired questions at you <laughs> rather than you putting me on the spot every week. Yeah, it's kind of the wrong way around, yeah. isn't it? Well, there we go. Just it'd be, I think it would be too weird to change that now. Yeah. It'd be too unsettling. We could try. We could try, we one try. Week. Let's do a reverse. Yeah, maybe on like Halloween. <laughs> we could see that. Uh, well, anyway, yeah, as I say, that is it for this week. If you enjoy the World Cricket Show, there are various things you could do to support us. Uh, write a review for us on iTunes we really appreciate all of those or on Stitcher we're on Stitcher as well it does help to attract new listeners to the show uh, like us on Facebook facebook.com slash cricket show you can follow us on Twitter the show account is at cricket show uh, Tony is at Tony Cover, as apparently everyone knows and I'm at Adam Bayfield one two send us an email I think your, your personal Twitter account went wrong when you put a number in it well I know yeah. but at Adam Bayfield was taken Yes, it's Adam Bayfield. It was too long. So, uh, what could you go with? What about just Bayfield? At Bayfield. Yeah. Well, that's probably taken as well. Probably taken. What about at Bayfield with a V? They can't. They can't, get a v. <laughs> <laughs> they can't really get a V in there. I should uh, hire a social media well, consultancy firm, really, shouldn't I? It'll make all the difference. Uh, well, yeah, you can find us on social media. There, you can tweet at me. Can everyone tweet at me this week? Uh, you can send us an email as well, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show in a financial way, then when you're doing your shopping on Amazon, if first of all you go to our online website, which is cricketshow.net, press the Amazon button, uh, and then anything you buy doesn't cost you anything extra, uh, but we get a little bit of a cut, which is nice for us. And don't forget as well that there is World Cricket Show merch available to buy now on cafepress.co.uk slash cricket show t-shirts hoodies jumpers mugs boxer shorts boxer shorts do not forget about the boxer shorts <laughs> See, ever since we launched all these schemes uh i haven't received one check yet. <laughs> i'm just starting to wonder you know uh, what's going on well i didn't want to have to bring this up on the show but at the same time, I have bought a new car. Yeah, yeah. But that is just a coincidence. That's a coincidence. Well, your lawyers stop responding. I've to actually that. bought a house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's worrying. Yeah. It's very worrying. <laughs> I think we might need to get, I've, get, get the numbers checked. I've got all the beach guide money in my account as well. Tony has not seen a single cent. It's really suspicious. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for this week. Stay in school, everybody. I'd better leave before, uh, before Tony demands to see my online banking page. <laughs> Stay in school, everybody, and we will see you all next time. Bye-bye for now. Take care.
Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.